You are listening to the Millennial Nomad Coming Alive podcast series, where we explore 180 life shifts, inner transformation, and the pursuit of dreams. I am your host, Elmas Morangard, and I invite you to run with us as we engage in some soul talk. These interviews are some of the experimental ones, so please do excuse the minor sound quality interruptions that may occur. The conversations were too real and too precious not to include due to some tech difficulties. I hope you understand. For more information about me and my work, please visit my website at www.millennialnomad.com. Nomad is spelled with two A's, so be on the lookout for that. In this episode, I interview Samantha, a writer, poet, graduate student, empath, authentic living advocate, and a domestic violence survivor who epitomizes courage and strength. I was really grateful to have this conversation with her and to have her share her story on my platform. And I hope you enjoyed the conversation as well. Hi, Samantha. Thank you for taking the time to do this interview today. How are you feeling? Thank you. I'm feeling really good today. Well, I'm super excited to interview you because, um, like I said before we got on this podcast uh, recording, that you're one of the few that I'm doing where I, it's completely, you know, spontaneous and we have not ever spoken before. And that's my favorite kind of interaction. I love meeting new people and hearing those stories. And I'm kind of excited to share a little bit about you. And uh, I guess for you, I want to just ask you real quick, like, what made you want to do this? Um, what I really liked is how you're focusing on what makes people feel alive. And I feel like that's so important. Like so often we get lost in the day to day that we kind of like forget to do like what our purpose is and focus on what makes us feel good. And I was listening to some of the other ones you did and they just had me like feeling so inspired just by the topics and their different stories um, so I just feel like what you're doing is so important. I feel like it's just, especially now with everything going on and a lot of people not being able to go out, you're really like having to look inward. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you for that because that makes my heart happy. Um, it means a lot to me that people kind of, they like to listen to it or that they are reading about it. Uh, but more importantly, I think I really love when people want to be a part of it um, and just to open the dialogue. And I know that you have a lot that you're passionate about. And I kind of want to just jump into that because it seems like you've done quite a few years, maybe more of soul searching and really figuring out like who you are and standing in that power. So I know to start off with, you study communications and journalism and uh, something very close to my heart. I love that. And then you're getting your master's in entertainment and sports management, right? Yes. So what kind of pulled you in that direction? Did you always know that's what you wanted to do or did you kind of fall into it? Yeah. Well, I did journalism in undergrad. I've been out for like four years now. And where I always felt like my most passionate about happiest place was always concerts and always that environment of like strangers coming together and having so many differences, but like the commonality of music. So I always wanted to get into that environment. And this program really lets you kind of look more into like the entertainment side and the customer service side of it. I just feel like concerts it's just such a great environment. It really connects people. Um, it gives me a feeling I've never been able to get anywhere else. It's almost like a natural high. Yeah. And did you always kind of, I mean, you mentioned kind of knowing that you love concerts and being in that environment, but 
did you kind of realize that when you were younger, like let's say in your teenage years, or did you just have a moment or a string of moments where you were just in that element and you, you, you realize that's what makes you happy. That's what you want to pursue. Yeah, I definitely didn't know that for a while. It always seemed like something very like unattainable to work in that environment as well, because it's hard to get into. Um, But when I did journalism at Coastal, I was editor of the newspaper there, and I was able to get a media pass to Bonnaroo, which is um, a music festival in Tennessee, very close to my heart. Just being in that atmosphere, it was just kind of like it's like a break from reality when you're there. Everybody's very happy and accepting and open. And after being in that environment, I was like, this is the type of place I want to work for. I want to help create this and give other people this experience because it really can help you grow and just see the bigger picture. So what kind of music are you interested in? I'm assuming you must have a pretty broad range, but do you have certain genres that you're really drawn to that um, that make you feel a certain type of way? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I like... all types but one of my favorites that was really like just for my own mental health was 21 pilots i'm not sure if you've heard of them um, but i've seen them numerous times i discovered them just like randomly in 2014 and i'll never forget the day because it was a really rough day for me and then i just heard their one song car radio and it just hit me because it literally was like everything i couldn't say but that i felt Um, and from discovering them it made me then find bonnaroo So I really feel like certain things happen in your life, like everything happens for a reason to lead you to something else. Like each moment, the bad ones or the good ones, it's meant to happen to lead you to that moment you're meant to go towards. Yeah, like it's almost sometimes it feels like it's truly a ripple effect. Like not only does it happen for a reason, but just like the most, you know, the smallest detail or the smallest kind of motion can set something so much greater down the road in play without you even kind of realizing it. Yeah, exactly. And you don't even notice till years later that you're like, oh, wow, that hard thing was meant to happen for this greater thing to happen later. So do you, you know, do you make any music of your own? Is that something you're interested in? Or are you just a passionate listener? No, I wish I could sing, but I can't. (laughs) I feel like you have such a great talent. I I wish I had it too, but it wasn't gifted gifted to me at all. So yeah. So you like 21 Pilots and um, I guess my question for you when it comes to music, since, you know, I really have a strong connection to music as well, um, is the power of music to kind of let you escape, but at the same time to make you look in. So I think it can do it at the same time, which is the art of it. I mean, in one way, your mind is somewhere else. It can take you to a better place. Sometimes it really kind of makes you face yourself. It pulls you in. So, you know, when you listen to music, what are some range of emotions that's going through you beyond just enjoyment? Um, it really kind of hits with like your sadness because it'll let you feel that, but let you release it in a way other things don't. And it's just such like a one-on-one relationship. I don't know. It really makes me feel sometimes so much better if you listen to it, like if you're feeling a certain way and then you kind of listen to sad music. And then you feel like it was a release because it's not like you have to keep expressing it. You can just listen, feel it, and then let it pass. No, definitely. And I think it just kind of allows you to be vulnerable in a way. Yes, exactly. I mean, you could send someone a song and it could express more than what you would say to them. And then really just they could more understand how you would feel from that. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about your relationship with vulnerability. Um, and I know we talked a little bit and you've had a, you know, a challenging 
pass in some regards. And uh, I know that like that's something that we wanted to kind of talk about. So my angle on vulnerability is always that the things that make us the most vulnerable um, often become the catalyst for our greatest transformation or they become our greatest strength. Like once you overcome it, you own it. And I think that I really, truly think vulnerability is the most beautiful thing when you get to the stage in which you allow it in and, and you kind of rise above the the fear of losing control. So for you, like when was there like a moment in your life in which you felt vulnerable and that in overcoming it, you felt empowered? Oh, I love that so much. So much. Um, so... Yeah, I think being vulnerable is so important. When I was a kid, I would always be so sensitive. Um, and I later discovered I'm an empath. And I would always think that's my weakness because people would, you know, when you're a kid and you cry, they're like, oh, you shouldn't do that. You're a crybaby. You're this, you're that. And then it took me until I was in my early 20s to realize that being sensitive and being able to relate to people and feel with them is a powerful tool. And it makes us human. And that feeling, I shouldn't be afraid of it, that I should welcome it, and that it's so important. And especially um, when I was younger, I did experience that. I am a survivor of domestic violence, experienced that a few times when I was younger, and I didn't tell anybody for over 10 years. So I kind of was living with that in myself. And it wasn't until post-grad, when I was 22, that I just was being vulnerable and I was opening up to someone and owning that power and telling them and they said oh I'm sorry and it just made a huge difference for my life because when you hold something in you might think it's normal but then when you tell other people and you realize that it's not okay and that you will be okay eventually it really kind of helps you heal and helps you grow so I think it's so important to just share your story because other people need to hear it too to know that it can get better and that they're not alone. No, absolutely. And I guess like my question for you is that, you know, the making that initial decision to to speak something like that out loud. Um, I truly think that like the hardest thing to do sometimes is simply vocalizing it, you know, and people are like, well, why can't you say something? Why can't they do that? And I don't think they understand what's really going on in the mind of someone when you internalize an experience like that. So for you, like, how did it actually, I know you said that it felt good and you felt um, seen in that way when you were able to vocalize it, but on a more, you know, descriptive level, like how did you really feel when you finally were able to kind of own that and, and make it a reality by vocalizing it and accepting it, but at the same time kind of releasing it? Yeah. So, I mean, for so long, you kind of just, when you experience trauma, it affects your brain and kind of makes you different than, other people and you don't even realize you're different until you kind of start like working on your triggers and working on different things like that um but I mean it's very emotional and then kind of after I opened up I felt sad for a while I looked into different outlets um tried therapy tried other things like that nothing really stuck but music always kind of helped me cope in a way anything else couldn't so once you open up it was hard and then it's kind of took me opening up even more and then getting to a point of just forgiveness because sometimes we'll hold on to something and kind of keep living in that moment. Um, but once you kind of forgive and release it and realize that it doesn't control you, it's just a part of who you are and that it ultimately, I mean, it makes me a better person, um, can relate more to other people, more compassionate. And I really believe that 
everything happens for a reason. It makes you a certain way. Maybe I'm supposed to help someone else down the line who experiences something else. And some people I opened up to who are in my own community also experienced the same thing. And they were friends I had for years. And I didn't know until I opened up and told them, which is crazy that we were so similar, but we didn't know we went through similar instances in our younger years. Yeah. And I think there's just like so many people that, um, like everyone's a walking story, right? So you can sometimes feel so close to someone, but there's a whole world that you might not know. But, you know, it takes like that one person to kind of open the dialogue and then suddenly it's like the light comes through the window almost. Yes. People can be seen. So what kind of, um, you know, I, I find that truly like every time someone shares something like that with me, sometimes I am left speechless, you know, and I've I've heard, unfortunately, things like this way more often than I would like but at the same time I feel like it is one of the most like I'm in awe of it really like how much courage it takes to kind of vocalize it and to express it and then like you said to like really forgive and to move on and help others which is the most powerful thing you can do when something I think happens to you like I read this quote one time that said don't waste your pain like Mm -hmm. use it as use it as paint almost like use it to do something different create something with it and I feel like you kind of live by that. So what, where did you get that courage from? Oh, that's, honestly, I think it was that friend who I kind of call her like my soul sister now. She came into my life at a certain point and she just made me feel so open and kind of brought me to a point where I was like, wow, if this happened when I was a kid, now I'm 22, that was, was like four years ago. I'm like, I got to start dealing with this now. And she kind of just gave me the courage because she was the type of person that I was like, wow, who she is, this is what I want to be. This is who I can be if I don't let my pain hold me back, if I don't keep being in my head about it. Because you kind of keep living and you're like, oh, this is this is who I am. I'm, I'm this victim. This is who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. And then once you share it and realize that, no, it's just something that happened, but it happened to me, but it's not me. I mean, it takes a while. It's there's so many up and downs. There's never a point where I think anyone's like, oh, I'm, I'm all good today. Like you have your triggers, um, but it doesn't last forever. You get to a point and you kind of realize like what your purpose is and then it kind of gives you an outlet, like whether that was music or for me, I also recently just like enjoy like writing poetry, like just putting that out words on paper, expressing your feelings and then kind of creating something out of it. It makes you feel better. Um, than rather when you just when you sit with it and let it stay in. Do you share your poetry on any platforms? Is it something that you share with others or is this something just mostly for you? Um, sometimes I do, like when I post something online, um, like with a picture, sometimes I'll like attach some of my poetry with it. I want to be more open with it now. Recently, I was just like, oh, I, sh- I recently had something end and it kind of just had me writing so much more than usual. Um, so I do want to share it. I do have like a website, but I haven't shared it much recently. You know, after this, I'm going to ask you for the link. <laughs> I know, I'll give you that link. <laughs> and I've some of the work. Um, I love reading poetry. And I am I think, you know, I've always said when you write from an honest place, uh, there's no way that a writing can be good because honesty is like the key ingredient to any kind of art. So. Yes, no, I, com- I completely agree. And just even that happening kind of just shaped my writing in a way that 
I'm thankful for it because it just gives you a different perspective on it. I always think that people who go through hard things, they have a different perspective in life and they're just more raw and connected. And I think it's very powerful. No, definitely. And the the thing that I kind of wanted to ask you about too is, you know, a lot of people go through difficult things and I absolutely agree that those who go through challenging things, whether it's emotional, whether it's something that internal or something that happens to them, usually it's a combination of both because we our external world does influence the internal and vice versa. But some people do become, you know, quite hardened. Like some people do become a little bit bitter about anything. It could even be something that's not emotional, but just material and people tend to kind of close up. So I think the ones that become truly more compassionate and and become stronger and resilient are those that are willing to be soft. So for you, I think that, you know, like, did you have to make that choice to become, to stay soft and to allow yourself to really become more loving instead of hardened towards the world? Or is that just kind of part of who you are? Yeah. I once had somebody tell me, they're like, you can either let things kind of make you bitter or you can let them make you better. So, I mean, that's just what you said too. And I completely agree. I'm. It's it's so easy to kind of be hardened by the world. Um, it's harder to kind of stay soft, but I think it's, it's more important to stay that way. I mean, it's something I struggle with. I have my days, especially with stuff going on, you see things and you're just like, oh, it can really make you feel hardened. Even with other people, sometimes if they treat you a certain way and then it can trigger you from that past experience. And then you might say, oh, everyone is like this, but they're not, then you'll experience someone good and then something will happen. And you're like, Ooh, I was meant to meet this other person. They were meant to tell me something else today. So I kind of, I just own my sensitivity. I'm proud to be someone who feels so deeply and, and to have that like empath of feeling like when someone else I once had, when I was in college, once this girl was crying next to me and I just started crying as well. And I never knew why, but it was because I was an empath. And then I was literally taking on her emotions. Yeah. And I think it would help to kind of, and you basically just illustrate it, but to kind of explain what that, what empath means to you, because for some people listening, I'm sure they could Google it, but they might not. Um, but like, what is, can you explain kind of in your eyes, what, what is an empath? Yeah. So an empath is when you kind of feel so much that you can have the ability to take on someone else's emotions around you. And you may not be aware of it too, because kind of for so long, sometimes I would feel something and I would not know where it's coming from. Um, So it's kind of very important that if you discover you are to kind of protect your energy and to always kind of recenter yourself and to get back to your own emotions Um, because it can very easily become overwhelmed by other people and you can kind of lose focus on yourself. Um, It definitely gives me a tool to to relate to people and to feel with them and to show compassion, but it also has given me some hard times because I wasn't aware that I was taking on their emotions and that it wasn't mine. No, absolutely. And, you know, like throughout the course of your life, I guess, as you get older, you learn to deal with that through patterns and you kind of understand when it's your emotion and when it's not. But, you know, I know you 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 turn to music and you turn to poetry, but when you're in that moment and you're feeling all these feelings and you're not quite sure where they come from, how do you kind of sit with it and distinguish what's yours and what's not? Yeah, sometimes it takes space. Um kind of separating from who you're around to kind of recenter yourself. 
I really like to run or work out and then listen to music just to kind of refocus on my own emotion. I think crying's <laughs> some people can be very ashamed too, but I think crying sometimes it's good. It's a release. It lets you kind of let that out of your body so you're not holding that in. Um, but it's just very important sometimes to just separate from the people you're around just so you can recenter and remember how you're feeling because it can be very overwhelming. Yeah, I read somewhere one time that um, like actually depending on why you're crying, your tears look different under a microscope, not microscope, but like under, I mean, yeah, maybe microscope, like under, when they're looking at like the actual formation of the droplets of the tears, they look different. Oh, wow. Um, on whether you're crying from like, let's say grief, crying from joy or crying from frustration, it like actually looks different. So I thought that was interesting that like, you know, they have like each tear has its purpose and identity and like others say that it's a form of like releasing toxins from the body. I mean, I don't have the scientific backup, but I'm sure people can have, can have fun looking it up. But that I did read that and I find it fascinating. Yeah, that's beautiful. They all look different. I never heard that before. Yeah, I'll send you the article when we get off the talk and you can take a look. Awesome. Let me know what you think. Um, but I did want to also ask you, so I know, you know, kind of talking about mental health and in that a- arena, um, you said you, that's something you're really passionate about. And what is, I guess, like your take on mental health? Like, what is your biggest uh, a frustration with how people view it? And what would you like people to really know about it? Well, I think mental health, we're constantly learning. I've made mistakes of things I've said to other people. And then people have made mistakes of things they said to me. And sometimes you think, I used to always think, oh, working good on my mental health is me getting all of these things done. When really it's just having the ability to step back and be like, I don't need to do all these things in a day to be successful. I need to be focused on how I'm feeling and taking a step back and doing things for me. I think a lot of times, especially just the United States compared to other cultures, Um, just how we work people. It's like, oh, you constantly got to work, 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 work. This is how you'll be successful. Where in other cultures, they have time where they're not as completely obsessed with work as we are. And it can be very hard on especially our generation, just this feeling of success. I mean, I'm 26 and I don't feel successful. I feel like everybody can kind of feel that way. And it can drain your mental health because you're like, oh, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. But you don't need to get to a point where you need to be at a certain place. You just need to focus on feeling how you want to feel. And I think that's a great point that you actually just brought up. And I want you to elaborate a little bit more. I mean, on the idea of success too, I I guess there is this societal definition of success and perhaps for everybody, the base level just is that independence, the security and all that, but it is an individual thing after all. So for you, what is success? Yeah, I had one of my professors asked me this um, years ago, and I always kind of sat with it because I would always think it's this or that. I don't know. I feel like success is just being happy because you really can't change what's around you. I feel like you just need to get to a point of just being happy with who you are without other things affecting that to make you that way. Just being at a point of centered, feeling good in who you are. And do you find that, um, do you find the biggest difficulty with feeling that happiness inside comes from internal blocks or do you feel that it's the external pressures? I feel like a lot of like the external can so easily distract you. 
like the people around you or your job or, or what you're supposed to do. Or, and then especially when you get older, you're like, oh, I need to be at this point. Um, I'm this age. Okay. I probably should have a house now, or I'm getting to this age. Oh, I probably should be in a relationship or be getting married or having kids. So I feel like the external sometimes really just make you lose focus. Um, especially when you want to help other people and you're really trying to help their happiness, but then you help there so much that you lose your own and that you stop doing those little things for you. Like for me, whether that was just like when I'm driving to work, listening to music in the car or making sure I'm working out every week or taking time to just read and relax and put my phone away before I go to bed. And it's so easy to lose focus of those little things when you're focusing on everything else. And then you slowly can lose yourself. Um, and that's something I've been having to work on recently when I was quarantined, you have a lot of time to think. And I realized that I did lose so many little pieces of what makes me feel centered and it kind of made me lose myself. But now I've been building to rework on that. So essentially, you know, like building boundaries. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and sometimes you don't realize you have unhealthy boundaries until later. And then you tell someone and then you're like, oh, yeah, that that's not a healthy boundary. Yeah, it's interesting how sometimes it's the outside perspective that kind of shines the spotlight. Have you found it easier now that you have that awareness and that you've come, at least, you know, like they say when you don't know, ignorance is bliss. But once you realize something, you can kind of shift it. Has it been easier for you to not put boundaries in place? and Or is it still difficult for you since you are such a giver and a feeler? It's still sometimes difficult because, I don't know, when I feel for other people, I always put myself in their shoes and I want to help them and listen to them and take on their emotions. But even when today somebody asked me something and I said yes. And then five minutes later, I was off the phone and I was like, dang, why did I agree to that? And it's because I was trying to help them. But then I forgot, mm, no, I need to help myself. So it can be hard to focus on boundaries, especially women um, in the workplace. I know I've had issues with if someone asked me to pick up something or do something, like I would say yes, like of working more um, because it's kind of expected. And especially I was, if like you're the only women in that field and you're the only like manager there, you kind of feel this more pressure because I mean, there is still a shift um, of not equality in the workplace between men and women. Yeah. And how is, I mean, I've noticed that actually before too. I mean, everybody has unique experiences in the workplace, but I've also just noticed that in a general pattern, it's not even that the women are kind of expected to do more, but for some reason, like, do you find yourself volunteering to do more? Like not just saying yes, but yes. like also going out of your way to volunteer. <laughs> like, I do that too. And I'm like, why? why? Like, did I do that? Not that it's a bad thing, but like the person next to me could have done it too. But you know, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, how do you do deal with that? Yeah. Cause sometimes I feel like if I say no, I'm going to be penalized for it. When the truth is you won't, they might be upset, but then it'll be okay later on. But it was hard for me before I went back to school. I was a manager at a gym atmosphere. Um, and sometimes it was hard. I mean, you have to enforce a lot of policies, different things like that. And I would always be very comfortable to go tell people things and, of course, be respectful and nice. Um, but then sometimes they wouldn't show me the same thing back. And it kind of had me feeling, well, maybe if I was a man, they would have been able to show me the same respect back. 
and it kind of makes you sometimes you kind of have to work harder. Um, something I always struggle with is when people pass pass me, and it's usually a man, and then they're like, "Oh, you should smile." And that's something that always bothers me because we're not here to please anyone else. And I know they're just saying that to me because I'm a woman. How often does that happen to you? Um, that happened a few times. It happened a lot at my past job as well. And it's kind of like you don't know what to say back. <laughs> but then I got to a point where I'm like, I know if I was a man, they wouldn't be telling me to smile. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. I mean, of course, not the first time that's been said too, but I find it interesting that you know, like smiling is a beautiful thing. It's great when people feel it and they do it, but being told to do it is kind of bizarre because you, you usually smile when you're happy. Like you can't force a smile or, you know, maybe you're happy and you're just not in the mood to smile, but it is hard to imagine that I don't think I've ever heard a guy being told to smile. Yes. Yeah. I never have. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't think I've ever, but I have heard girls be told like in front of my face. Yes. It's just a very uncomfortable thing. Um, and it's like people being like, oh, this is what I want you to do. But we're not here to please anyone else. You know, I feel like, um, well, first, before I actually ask you that question, do you feel like you have something to prove? Is that pressure from society there? That's what I mean. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. Even when... I don't know. Sometimes it feels like as a woman, you have to constantly prove yourself in so many different ways. Like, oh, you're not pretty enough. You're not this. You're not that. Oh, you're not smart enough. It's just constant. Sometimes it can be constant, but it's really your own mentality. I always had that kind of like imposter syndrome. Um, when I even when I was in college and I was editor of the newspaper, I was like the first female editor in five years. And I always felt like, oh, I'm not I'm not a good enough leader. And then that kind of passed when then I was a manager because I would just be trying to do my job. And then people would think, oh, this person's Samantha's mean or Samantha's this or that when I was just trying to do my job, what I'm supposed to do. And then it kind of even passed now that I'm in school. Sometimes I'm like, oh, am I smart enough for this? Um, so it kind of can be sometimes you kind of feel like, oh, I'm, am I deserving of this role or this position, but you really got to look inward because people will always criticize you no matter what. You can be doing a great job and somebody could still criticize you because it represents how they feel about themselves. Yeah. And you know what, what has your journey with self-love been? I mean, I think that everything you're saying is, it's, you know, very wise and it is so true. It is, I mean, in practice, it is so true, but in practice, it is also so difficult sometimes. You know, you can know it, but to feel it and to integrate it can be hard for a lot of people. So for you, you know, what's your journey with self-love been like? And, you know, if someone's listening and they're not maybe quite there or they're just still at the phase where, you know, no one's perfect, but like they're still more triggered, what would you kind of tell them? Um, self-love is definitely a journey. Um, and some it takes you time. What someone else might tell you to do is not what you need. Like you need to discover what you need. And for so long I had unhealthy habits of self-love where it's where I would deal with, you know, that when being a victim of abuse, it kind of, when I was younger, I would work out all the time and I'd be like, oh, I'm dealing with this in a healthy way. I'm working out constantly. But I got to a point where 
my mental still wasn't good. My physical body may look healthy and people may say, oh, you looked great, but my mental wasn't in a good state. And it kind of took me years to get back to figuring out what I need to do. And I'm, I'm still working on it as well. Um, but it, when I, what I find the most for self-love is kind of when I'm in times of just by myself and maybe I went for a run or I'm looking at the sunset or I'm reading or I'm like connecting with nature is when I kind of feel the most centered and grounded and it kind of gives me more energy to then go back and do what I need to do. You know, I think that um, what you said is so important about how you can kind of be making all the right choices. So it's like, you know, working out is a very healthy thing, having structure is a really healthy thing. I mean, based on your track record, you have accomplished a lot. I mean, like you're at the stage of your life, you're getting a master's, you've like, not that that's what you need to be accomplished, but I'm saying mm-hmm. like, you know, you've done so much with your time in your life. And it's interesting to think that you can do all the real, all the right things, but mentally you can still be not okay or not happy. Um, and I guess that's like something important to note to people too, because I, I think that people think that being hyper productive or hyperactive equates to success but like you said going back to the idea of happiness as success sometimes you do have to kind of a lot time and take care of you yes yeah when I think about times where I was like hyper productive and to other people they would be like oh she has her life together but actually those were like points where I was mentally the lowest because I was looking for all these different things obsessing about all these different things externally to complete but I wasn't doing any work internally. And I was still kind of in that negative mindset. It's almost kind of like something's literally weighing you down and nobody really knows, but you know, and you can kind of constantly feel the weight of that every day until you start to work on it. Yeah, I want to ask you, because so much of what you've discussed requires, you know, courage. And we talked about where that comes from and and the influence of the right people around you later in your life. But, you know, is is there like a moment in your life in which you felt fear? Because, you know, there's that saying where like on the other side of fear is everything you've ever wanted. And was, has there been a moment in your life where you felt fear, but you still did something like it felt like the right thing to do and you pushed beyond it and that you're happy that you did it? Yeah, I felt fear for a long time to kind of be my authentic self and be open and kind of come out to my family and tell them that who I am and it took I mean you kind of again that's kind of like the society pressure that oh you have to be this type of person or you won't be accepted and it took me years to get to that point and it didn't even happen until two years ago when I was 24 and then when I got to the point and I finally did tell them what I discovered is that I was loved even more than before because I was living my truth and being who I am. And that's all anyone wants who's around you is they just want you to be who you are. And then being loved for that even more was so powerful, but it was so, so scary. And it's still a constant thing that you kind of have to tell people um, because they might assume that (laughs) you're straight and you got to tell them every day. And sometimes it can be scary. You don't know what people's reactions are going to be to it. But pushing past that was great. Sometimes now I'm just like, I wish I did this earlier in my life. 
but I wasn't at the point where I was mentally there. And then it kind of took me longer. I mean, it took me till I was 24 and that's okay. We all have our own paths. We don't have to achieve anything at a certain age. Yeah. And I think that, you know, having the right family response and uh, is so important. And I'm, and I'm glad that you had that. Cause I think that that's, you know, like, I feel like that's the way it should be, but I know some people listening might feel that they don't have that experience at home. So I think that, you know, when, when there isn't family that can do give the support, then I think that it's important to kind of surround yourself with the family you choose. And like that kind of can be um, another way to feel some sense of, I think, belonging. So I think for you, you know, my question is like, do you feel like when you share that with people, they treat you differently? Yeah, so sometimes they do. Um, I mean, I had an experience last week where I was talking to this acquaintance I've had for a few years and then I just told her that just just kind of stating it and her reaction was shock and she was like are you sure are you sure are you sure but you're so pretty and then she was like that makes me sad and I was like why does that make you sad I'm I'm happy this is who I am and she was like oh well because of God and that really hit me wow. but I'm I'm thankful because my mother is, I know that not everyone has an accepting family and I'm so blessed that, that I do. And I, I feel for all those who don't, but my mom told me after I told her a few weeks later when I was upset, cause I was like, mom, do you still love me as much? And she said, God doesn't make mistakes. Like you are who you are. And it can be scary to tell people still now I make the choice where I mean, if somebody says something, you're kind of constantly deciding, should I tell them? Should I not? Because even when I was a few years back, I came out to a friend and he was like, oh, you shouldn't tell people. So you don't know what everyone's reactions was going to be. And his was saying that in a sense of love. Um, but all of that was kind of, it shapes you. And her saying that, it kind of made me realize it didn't even make me sad because I wasn't sad because I was like, I know who I am, what she, how she feels that doesn't affect my life. I just felt more sad for her that she felt that anything else higher above isn't accepting of everybody because I really believe that, that they're just accepting of everyone because I mean, we're all souls on the inside anyway. This is just what we have while we're here. Yeah, no, I, I think that your mom's words um, are beautiful. And I think that, you know, I'm so glad that you shared that because I think that it's so important to say that out loud for others to hear. And I hope for those listening that they kind of, you know, they can hear your story and relate to it and hear what they need to hear too, if, if the people in their lives can't tell them. Yeah. So I think that's really beautiful. And I know you mentioned that you're very involved with the, with the community. You know, you said that's something you're passionate about. And I guess, you know, there's different levels of involvement. Like, what do you mean by that when you say you're involved and you're passionate about the causes? Yeah, well, for me now, I still struggle with what I even define myself as. Um, so sometimes that can be hard in the community. I mean, some days you might, it's just, it can sometimes be hard to define yourself as one thing when you just think I love people Yeah, for their soul. Um but I think it's just realizing, just being accepting. I think a lot of people, until you're kind of, you don't know 
that it's different or hard because before I even told people, I never would under have thought that people could be not understanding and say it directly to you. But I think prides are so important. I hope this quarantine and all of that, um, that the world heals and that we can have those again. Uh, I went to one last year and it was just such an amazing experience because you're just surrounded by everyone who's accepting of you and you don't have to be afraid because everyone there is just authentically accepting of you. And they even have people who wear like free mom hugs or free dad hugs or free sister hugs. And when I passed that, that brought me to tears for the people who don't have that. And I think it's so important that they have other people there who can give them that. Well, you know, I, I'm there with you. I hope that quarantine, you know, not just quarantine passing, but like you said, that it's safe and the world can be in a good place and that these gatherings can happen. Cause I think you're absolutely right. I think whether it's, you know, something like this that you are going through or went through in the past, or whether it's other people who need some sort of community, like it's so important to be able to gather and to share energy and to accept one another for whatever it may be and to kind of celebrate life in in those small moments too. So I really hope that for the world. And I hope in the meantime, we find other ways to connect because we need each other. Humans do need each other. Yeah, we're here to connect with each other. Like that's our reason. Definitely. And, you know, the last two questions I want to ask you, I could ask you so many more, but then I feel like we would go over time. And <laughs> But maybe, you know, part two might be part two. But, um, but I did want to ask you two questions. The first one is, you know, I, I did this, this whole podcast because I want to really explore what makes people feel alive. And life can be messy. Life can be painful. No one said it's easy, but there are also so many like beautiful, joyful, fulfilling moments that make that like kind of shape our identity too and make our life meaningful. So what is one thing or a few things that make you feel alive? Um, nature makes me feel alive. Seeing a sunset, I feel like that's so beautiful, kind of reminds you that no matter what happens each day, I mean, you can still see a beautiful sunset and know it's all going to be okay. Um, a good hug from my mom. <laughs> Love makes me feel alive. Laughter. Getting to experience something beautiful like a concert or a pride with strangers, but yet all being connected. Um, concerts really make me feel alive, especially just for my own mental health. Singing a song with thousands of strangers, but all being connected. I don't feel like there's any that just makes me feel so alive in a way I've never been able to feel anyone else. And the, the other question that I want to ask you is what is a question that you want to ask yourself for the year ahead? There's this one question that I've always seen, um, and it's, are you proud of who you've become? And it's something that I kind of always look back towards. And that's definitely something I'd want to ask myself. I think that's a, that's a great one. Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, I think that, you know, kind of hearing your story and hearing the journey that you've been on, I think that's something we can all ask ourselves. I think everybody's answers have been, 
have been different, but essentially the core of everyone's life story is kind of like, are we proud of who we've become or did we become what we wanted to become? Because I think at the end of the day, like there's choices and and we really can choose who we want to become. Yes, I completely agree. You control who you are. No one else. Like you decide where your life's going to go. Well, I am so happy that we had a chance to talk and I'm definitely going to link. um, Well, if you want me to link your Instagram, I can do that for you so that if people want to connect with you, they can. But, um, but I do hope to stay in touch and I'm so excited to see where your life goes and, and just to kind of, you know, watch you from afar, pursue your dreams and and live life. So thank you so much for taking the time and thanks for being so open with me. I'm, I'm really appreciating it and I'm super honored. Thank you. This was great. I really appreciate you. To connect with Samantha, check out her Instagram at S-A-M-A-N-T-H-A-B-E-R-G-O-L-D and visit her blog at www.aliveinsidemedia.com. I will include these links in the podcast description as well. As always, thank you for listening to the Millennial Nomad Coming Alive podcast series. Be sure to tune in for the next episode.